We have been talking about the name of Jesus. Wow. Have you enjoyed talking about the name of Jesus the last few weeks? So we spoke, yes, I see you there. It's been powerful. And we started out the series talking about the power of names. There is power in names. You know, children are named a special name, and that name has a meaning very often. Names in traditional societies and cultures have a lot of power. The name has a meaning from the family, from the grandfather. The name is carried on from one generation to the next, this line, this legacy. There are power in names, and the name of Jesus was the same way. An angel appeared to Mary. An angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and gave a very specific instruction. You need to name the baby Jesus. Because Jesus means the Lord saves. Jesus Christ means the Lord saves the Messiah. There's power just by speaking out his name. We are already calling out who he is, his identity, his name has a meaning. There's power in his name. And when we acknowledge his name, Jesus Christ, we don't use his name as a curse, but when we speak it out as worship, Jesus Christ, we are speaking out who he is, his identity, that he is the Messiah, he is the one that God sent to save the world. It's powerful, just acknowledging his name is powerful. Then last week, we talked about praying in the name of Jesus. We pray, da-da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da, God, we are believing this in the name of Jesus, amen. And the reason we use his name in prayer is because Jesus taught the church, taught the disciples to pray in the name of Jesus, and we know that when we pray in the name of Jesus, there is power in his name because in his name, we have direct access to God God, and through what Jesus did, we are no longer slaves. We are friends. We are children of God. And when we use his name in prayer, God hears our prayers in a different way because we use Jesus' name. And now God says, yes, 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 and amen. We are in agreement with God when we use the name of Jesus. And of course, as a father, God wants to bless us. As course, as a father, when we ask for something, you know how it is with children. When they ask for something, it's very hard to say no. Sometimes we have to say no. No, you can't have candy at 7 in the morning. Come on, you can laugh a little bit. But the heart is good. The heart of God is good. The heart of the Father is to bless you, to give you good gifts. And that's why in the name of Jesus, when we pray in Jesus' name, we are accessing the heart of God as children of God through the blood of Jesus. It's so powerful to pray in the name of Jesus. And I also believe when we pray in the name of Jesus, we can speak things and declare things, of course, in alignment with the word of God, in alignment with the will of God, with what the Holy Spirit is doing. But when we use the name of Jesus, what we say can come to be because there's authority in his name. Amen? Wow, the name of Jesus is amazing. But today, to finish off this series, I want to speak with you about working in the name of Jesus. Because one of the last things that Jesus said to his disciples was, now I'm sending you. I'm sending you. And it di he didn't mean I'm sending you all to be pastors. 
They, they were the disciples and apostles, but they did a lot of other kind of work too along the way. He just meant, I'm sending you. You are now being sent out into everywhere of the world to represent me, to represent Jesus and do work in my name. We are representatives of Jesus on the earth. And in fact, I would even go far as to say that we are legally with the authority put into our hands to carry out his mission in a legal sense in his name on the earth. We have authority in his name to complete the mission of what he started 2,000 years ago. And thank you, Jesus, it's happening Everywhere around the world, revival is happening. Look around you in this place. Revival is happening. Amen? Something's happening, and God is moving. And it's because people are representing him, working in his name all around the world. That's awesome. You know, um, when a child hasn't yet turned 18, the parents actually are the legal guardians of that child. And if that child needs to sign a contract, needs to go on a school trip, needs to have a signature, the parents represent the child's name in a signature and are representing that person signing on behalf of that person. It's the same way if you are going on a trip to another country and here in Germany or wherever you come from, you, you are away, you are not here, you can tell the government, you can tell the authorities, I'm not going to be here, but this person can sign on behalf of me these documents. They're going to act on my behalf. I'm not here. They're going to sign for me, and they have the legal authority to sign on my behalf, and what they sign counts as a signature in my name. It's not my signature they're signing, but it's my name through them to sign and act on my behalf. That is a very common practice. It's called power of attorney or signing power, someone representing someone else in a legal manner. And you know, it's the same way um, if you are working for a government as in an embassy or as an ambassador being sent to another country, you are sent out by the power of the political power of the country that you come from and you go to this other nation as the ambassador dip, diplom diplomacy to represent the name of that leader, to represent the name of that nation, not to carry out your own agenda, but to carry out the agenda of the one that sent you to act on behalf of the name of the person that sent you to represent that country in another country. Representing someone else, acting on someone else's behalf, realizing that we very often, even in your job, in your workplace, you are acting on behalf of the manager, on the owner of the company, the work that you are doing, you are representing something bigger than yourself. All the time we are, we are doing that. And you know, today, as I talk about representing the name of Jesus, because his name is above every other name that we work for, he's the ultimate boss. So, so even if you are the big boss of the company that, that you started, you're still going to have to serve somebody, and that's going to be Jesus. God is above all of those names. But I want to focus very specifically today on, on work that we do representing God, representing representing his name, doing excellence in our work in the hidden areas. 
It's easy to do great work when everybody's clapping and when the boss is saying, yeah, great. But when nobody's in the office and you're there alone and it's so easy to just slack off, <laughs> I'm just say saying it straight, and, and to not do the same level of work, but I believe that if we are truly representing God, it doesn't matter who's looking, it doesn't matter what prize we get at the end of earthly prizes, the excellence that we bring to what we do needs to be the same in everything that we do. And that's how we represent God. Last year, um, I was here in Berlin, and I, the Berlin Castle, I'm not sure if anybody has been there to go and see that. It's called the Berliner Schloss. It was rebuilt recently. Yeah, there it is. You can see that is what it looks like. It's at Unter den Linden. You should definitely go check it out. It is a beautiful, beautiful building. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little art history right now. Do you want to hear about it? You do. Wow, I knew you did. <laughs> so this building um, is widely considered to be one of the greatest examples of Baroque architecture. So this was the late, the 1600s Baroque architecture, and the facades on this palace are so beautiful. In fact, the artist that designed the facades of this palace is considered to be one of the best Baroque architects of all time. Now, what you have to know is that in that time, if you were an architect, you didn't just draw pretty pictures. He basically built that palace with his own hands. Many years, 10 years, more than 10 years, he did the sculptures by himself, the stonework, he did a lot of it with his own hands. Of course, he had helpers, but he trained his helpers who imitated the way that he did the art, and even the inside rooms were designed by him with the furniture, with the ceilings, with the stairs, everything from top to bottom was designed by this amazing artist architect. And so when you go there and you look at this, this is why Germany rebuilt this palace, is because the art is so important for the world. Um, and that's why they wanted to rebuild it, not to uh, endorse a evil Protestant strain of Christianity, okay? I just like to say that. That's not the intention. It's because of the art value for the world that this represents. Now look, when you go there, you can walk around the castle but now you can actually walk through a gateway into a courtyard. And I can remember when I walked through the gateway into the courtyard, thinking to myself, this is amazing that I get to walk through here because I'm a peasant. <laughs> a peasant means the lowest class. Maybe back then I could have been the priestly class, I don't know, but in general, most of us here are peasants, okay? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Which would have meant that you could never have gone into that courtyard at that time. Now this courtyard, and this is important, this courtyard inside the castle is even more amazing than the outside. And almost all the sculptures in the courtyard were done by the artist himself with his own hand. All of them. He did them himself. He designed the courtyard to be even more beautiful than the outside. No one got to see that courtyard. Only the king 
and maybe a few very special people. So when I walked in there, I was like, wow, this is amazing. I get to see this, what nobody else got to see before. And millions of people walked by the outside of that castle through the centuries. Millions got to see the outside, which is already amazing. But the greatest art, the greatest investment of his talent into the building was not the outside, it was this hidden courtyard that only very few people would ever get to see in their whole life. And as I saw that art in that courtyard, I just thought to myself, wow, isn't that amazing that an artist would pour out their greatest work of their life to a place that nobody except a few people would ever get to see? That's amazing. That's amazing. What motivates someone to pour out like an offering the greatest work of their life into a space, a hidden space that nobody got to see. Wow. You know, another one that is really famous, which is in Rome, Italy, in the Vatican, which is the Sistine Chapel. I think I have a picture of that too. This is widely considered to be the greatest painting of all time. Michelangelo. Has anybody been there and seen the Sistine Chapel? You are lucky because at that time, it was a private chapel for the Pope only. And so again, you have to ask yourself, an artist like Michelangelo, one of the greatest of all time, truly a gift to the human civilization of all centuries, giving his best work into a space that nobody was going to get to see except the Pope and a few bishops. And today, if we don't get 20 likes or 30 likes on our picture of food, we don't even bother. So this, really, this, this mentality really challenged me as I started to think back through many other art uh, pieces in history, Leonardo da Vinci, The um, Last Supper, I recently was listening to an interview and someone called it a painting. It's not a painting, it's a fresco, which means that it's painted on a wall that is falling apart in Florence. I think it's in Florence, right? Somewhere in Italy, I think it's Florence, but it's a wall that is falling apart. So he painted this amazing work on a wall that is not gonna hold up. It's not a painting, it's a fresco which is falling apart, but still it is the best art of all time. And so with this mentality, it really challenged me, how often am I doing things and my work and my art and my speaking and all the things I'm doing, how often am I doing them only to my highest potential when I know that a lot of people are going to be seeing what I'm doing? That's a question to ask yourself. Do you only give your best when people are watching? And so I want to talk about that for a few moments, about the motivations, because I really believe that there are certain motivations that we can tap into that are God motivations and also with an understanding that God is watching everything that we do. But also some of them are just motivations that we can have in ourselves so the name of Jesus that we are working under, the name that, it's the name of Jesus that we are working under. It's the name of Jesus that we are representing. And Paul talks about this 
In Colossians 3, 17, here is what Paul wrote. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So what Paul was saying in this passage was that whatever you do in word or deed, everything you do, actions, words, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, meaning we are acting everything that we do, not just praying, not just preaching, every kind of work that we are doing. He was a tent maker. So every work that he did, teaching, raising children, everything that we are doing in word or deed, we are doing all of it in the name of the Lord Jesus. If you play music, you are playing your music in the name of the Lord Jesus. It doesn't even have to have the name of Jesus in the song. You are still doing that work in the name of the Lord Jesus, and as you do that, you are giving thanks to God the Father through him. It's a worship to God. Everything that you are doing is worship to God. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so the first thing that I believe can be a motivation to have a motivation to be excellent in every area in the hidden things is a self-pride. Now that sounds bad, but I don't think having self-pride in this way is a bad thing. So for example, self-pride is that you know in yourself what your capabilities are, and I would say that we are all capable of way more than what we can imagine and know, but somehow to get in touch with yourself and to know what is your best, and when you do your best and you output your best, it doesn't matter who's clapping, who's looking, just like those artists put out their best, I think they were just so happy to be able to give that art to the world. It didn't matter who, who saw it, they wanted to sculpt the best that they could for themselves to know that I did this work. There was a self-pride in themselves to be, to be happy with what they did with their own hands. And so a self-pride in that way where you are satisfied with what you are doing when nobody's looking, it's a self-pride in a good way to just accept, thank you, Jesus, that you gave me these talents, that I can use these talents to do this work and to be thankful in yourself for what you are doing and not, not needing other people to be thankful or needing other people to say good job because it's, it's, you are telling yourself, this is awesome. Thank you, God, that I can do this work this way with excellence. It's a self-pride in yourself connected with what God has given you, and so that's enough. That's a motivation enough to do excellence in your work. Does that, does that make sense? It's not prideful to say, thank you, God, for these talents. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this work with excellence, and I don't need other people to applaud. I'm just, I'm proud of myself for what I did here today. This was amazing work like that. And the second thing is just a job well done, a job well done, that you, you know that you did a good job that it was a good job. And this can be about cleaning your room. This can be about cleaning your house. This can be about cleaning your car. This can be about the way that you walk. 
that you are just a job well done, that you are living every way with excellence, the way that you talk, the way that you think, the way that you, are, the way that you go to sleep at night, you, you have good habits in your life, that it's a job well done, that you are living your life to the maximum that you can. And the third thing is, so self-pride, a job well done, and then God-pride. So the God-pride is that you realize that God sees everything that you are doing. God sees everything that you are doing. And yes, we serve man, and very often man is a representative of God, of God on the earth. Paul also talked about that, about submitting to the authorities that are on the earth now, and as we submit to them, good or bad, he didn't say just submit to the good ones. Submit to the authorities that are in place. We don't know why that person was elected. We don't know why that person is in power in that country. We don't know all the answers. But as we submit ourselves to the worldly authorities, we also are worshiping God through that by realizing God has the big picture. But in the same way, God pride also means that as we do our work when no one's looking, God's looking. It's not that nobody is looking. God is looking. God is looking. And so you might not get applause or praise here on earth, but someday you will receive the reward for what you've done because God sees. And we need to bring back to our culture and society this mentality that God sees. When there's no God, then all this evil and things that are happening in secret, it doesn't matter what's happening because nobody's looking. But when God sees everything and you know that God sees everything, it will motivate you, not out of a fear, but yes, sometimes out of a fear too. God's watching everything that is going on in your life. He knows every part of what is happening. And if we know that God's watching everything, we will want to do the best that we can, not, not because we're afraid of a punishment, but because we want to represent his name well on the earth. Let's stand to our feet. And so we pray right now in the name of Jesus that as we represent you in this city, in our companies, in our families, in everything that we are doing, God, give us the mentality to remember and know that you are watching everything. And so we pray for your people, God, that there would be a self-pride to simply do the best that we can, to not compare with others, to not feel bad that maybe, oh, that person's more talented, or oh, I wish I could be that, but just to do the best that we can. And to be thankful for the talents you gave to us each one individual, different. We're all different, we're all unique, and we thank you for that, that we're not the same. But to be thankful and proud of what you've given us and to do the best we can to do good in everything we do, whether that's cleaning our bathrooms or representing a country, and that we would know that, God, you are watching everything that we do, and even a cup of cold water given in your name will be remembered. The small things will be remembered. The big things will be remembered. Let us do the small and the big things with excellence. In every case, 
We want to bring our best to our work because we know that when we do that, you will work in our life and we will see the kingdom of God move forward on the earth. And we thank you for that. We thank you for that. And so we also pray that as we represent the churches that we are from and the people of God, that there would be unity in the way that we come together and unity in the way that we treat our brothers and sisters in Christ, that even we come from different backgrounds and different denominations, whatever it is, we are one Christian family all over the world. And so we pray that as we represent the name of Jesus, that we would represent your name with unity and love toward our brothers and sisters in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, you can give God a little praise.